and welcome to Our Undoing Radio. It's your host, Jeremy Vaney, and I realize uh, last week I said I would finally get to the Living Mystery Symposium after a brief bit, and then um, I, not only did I not, but I didn't even mention it at the end. So I'll say sorry. I'll be getting to it post-haste. Well, sort of post-haste. First, I've got to read a uh, an email to you that I got from a listener. He gave me permission to read it. In fact, he gave me permission to use his name, but I won't use his name um, in case I say anything that might uh, offend him or make him feel embarrassed or something. Who wants to, like, do that? Um, now, in a follow-up email where he said I could use that and use his name, he actually said that he um, was initially going to offer that I could use it uh, if it would be instructional to people, but he thought that might be a little too pretentious or something. And I just want everyone out there to know um, it's not pretentious. If you write to me something that you think would be useful for me to break down, useful for other people, not just you, um, let me know. I mean, uh, because odds are I do want to talk about it. So uh, don't feel you know, arrogant or whatever, but also know that, uh, it might not end well for you. (laughs) Um, I I mean, I'm being, you know, nefarious on purpose. That's mean, but, uh, you know, you, you get the gist of this show, right? So you know that the answers that are going to come out of my mouth are likely something that's going to rub the, against the grain of you, or else you wouldn't be asking in the first place, right? Like, these aren't questions about self and this one about meditation, which is essentially about self. Um, these aren't questions that you ask for, like, a how-to kind of answer, like other subjects. The subject is you. And so um, anything that doesn't validate the self, you, doesn't... Uh, instruct how you can move forward and do something different and better um, is going to be interpreted as a slight of some sort uh, because our culture likes to put things hierarchically. And so, um, you know, this is one problem with all of this spirit talk is uh, to ask me is, is in the mind's eye to have me on a pedestal. And for me to come come down from on high to tell you something that is not um, immediately doable by you, I just think this is how our minds work. It it just sort of goes compartmentalizes into that that box, the box of oh this guy thinks he's better than me, or <laughs> oh this guy uh, is holding back, he's trying to keep me down so he can be up, or whatever it is, or. Uh, no, I know there's something else I can do. This whole undoing thing is just one. He's just saying that. That's just one thing. Right? This all goes back to, like, when I was uh, a lot younger and my sister would come to me for um, advice. She loved my hot takes on other people and then would come to me for advice. And when I would give her similar hot takes on her own psychology, that was bad. Somehow I was being judgmental. And I think that's just what we do. And we don't like what we hear. We come up with reasons to um, be defensive and say that the other is uh, judgmental or a jerk or completely useless or whatever it is. And you may be right. Um, but either way, if you're going to someone and asking them 
anything about you, um, you've got to be prepared to not uh, want to hear it, <laughs> right? Um, or not be able to hear it, I guess, is what I would argue. Because if you were able to hear it, you wouldn't um, have a problem. Uh, so with those ears, with the ears of, if I wanted to hear this, I wouldn't have a problem. I give to you this email I received. And um, thank you, sir, all, already up front for writing this, because unfortunately, it is brave to write to me and to give me permission to read it and even use your name, um, which I won't. But I hope this is helpful. Um, subject line, deafening the voice inside that says meditation is boring, three exclamation marks. What's the point? Question mark. Stop doing something else. I think he meant stop and do something else. Um, in any event, the message then, that was the subject line. The message is, hi, Jeremy. I love your insights. I deeply appreciate the application of that insight to my own issue. For years, a burning desire of mine is to find continuously better ways to defeat voices in me when I begin to meditate that screech, This is boring! Keep your attention moving! What's the point of stilling it? Too hard! I'm slowly trying... I don't know why his inner voice sounds like an old Bob Dole impression of mine. Uh, I digress. <laughs> I'm slowly trying to structure a map for internal seeing where I'm able to understand with greater and greater clarity that falling prey to these voices that all too effectively attempt to judge, squat, preside over all from a place of convincingness, knowingness of what's boring and not that by not identifying them and resisting them, it's like a leech under the pant leg sucking blood. I can't detach from that which is invisible to me, and thus also can't disconnect from or reclaim that which it may be taking from me. I'm trying to structure a practical, always-there map of consciousness, where I'm able to understand with increasing clarity that it's precisely identifying and resisting the layers of internal voices and motivations for stimulation, non-stillness, that leads to expanded consciousness. To these ends of effectively rebuttaling and slaying these voices that screech, this is boring, why even do this? You gave me some really valuable ammo in your 21021 last episode of The Experience. The Experience is the show I used to do on unknowncountry.com. Um, at 2855 in of the episode, he quotes me here, and I'm just going to assume I said this. <laughs> I don't really remember, but okay. Quote, to understand the unknowable, should I do my own voice? To understand, I don't know. To understand the unknowable, one cannot approach the unknowable. Same with truth, same with kundalini. One may be it. One may be a clear vessel and dissolve and be truth, be the unknowable. Any approach to it is a schism, is a rift. It's breaking up the oneness thing that has to be the case. End quote. 2955, end quote. Any approach to the unknowable is a false approach because it's unknowable. You can't approach it with the known, with the past, end quote. These things are great for motivating resistance toward those voices that screech, boring, don't slow your attention, pointless. So more to the point, do you have any valuable rebuttals like this or analogies I can throw at that guy in my head that pops up to stop me from stilling my attention? I want more fuel for the motivation of stilling my attention. Again, I deeply appreciate your reply, triple exclamation mark. Thank you, Jeremy Dahl, exclamation mark. And then his name, and then P.S. Trickster rearing its head. In trying to nail down the precise things you said on your last episode, 
of the experience. It was around you talking about how the trickster archetype, quote, appears to be a guardian, end quote, quote, that is symbiotic with us, end quote, is a, quote, sphere of influence that you can waft into when you get close to the fact that you don't know anything, end quote. I was going crazy. Because in trying to nail down what you said precisely that resonated with me towards the aim I described above, for whatever reason in my iTunes player in playing back your show, kept shifting and changing in a way that I couldn't fully get it or write it down. For example, 28.30 and 29 minutes in kept playing a different part of the show, even though obviously a precise dialed-in second of your show should keep playing the same part of the show of whatever that precisely dialed-in moment of the show is. I'm adding the word is. <laughs> it was taxing my finite patience to nail down and write back to you what you said. To make sure this was happening, I opened the file up in my VLC media file player, and it was stable there. Ironic, again, because you were saying in this excerpt how the trickster archetype, quote, appears to be a guardian, end quote, and is a, quote, sphere of influence that we can waft into when you get close to the fact that you don't know anything, end quote. And that's it. That's the, uh, that's the end of the email. And so let's go back to the top. The subject line is defeating the voice inside that says meditation is boring. What's the point? Stop doing, stop, do something else. Um, I got news for you, dude. That voice is you. You just wrote me the longest, most repetitive email and then put a postscript on that is about as long as the email itself. <laughs> That's uh, how you say an obsessive mind. And um, there's nothing wrong with that or right with that. That just is what it is. But when you say defeating the voice inside, um, there's, there's a couple things wrong with that. The second thing wrong with that is the one I'm addressing right now, which is the voice is you. The voice isn't separate, separated from you. It, it may appear that way because it's saying one thing and you're saying, shut up, just shut up. And because there's that split between presumably you and this other voice, <laughs> uh, it seems as though they're coming from different sources or, or they're the same source that have different purposes. But they're both you, and they're both the same purpose, which is for you to not shut up. One is just the active part of that, the part that's saying, this is boring, let's do something else. And the other part is the uh, passive part, which is, you know, it's kind of like the devil and the angel on your shoulder. Well, those are both you, and one is actively aggressive, and the other is passively, hey, can't we all just get along? Let's just shut up and do this. And all of that is you not shutting up. Everyone take a moment to realize this because I say this in different words every week and it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to believe that because they seem so different. And then you've got like the jingle from the crest whitening toothpaste, you know, commercial in the background somewhere, maybe, or the Campbell's soup mm -mm, good, or where is the beef lady or whatever it is that you got roaming around back there. Some nostalgia from television commercials and all that, like all of these things go on in our heads at the same time. And we think they're different things. And then we think that there is this, oh, this witness, this soul, this person who's above it all hierarchical thinking, right? Uh, it's all you and it's all not shutting up because 
that is what the activity of the self is. It's activity. And that, you know, that self has a purpose in the world, serves a real function, but then it does uh, crappy things like uh, destroy the world (laughs) through self-centeredness. So please know that that's you. And as evidence, I give to you your very own email, which is loud, which is you doing something else. You may not like that about yourself, which may be why you divorce it from you, which is something else we do, right? We take those qualities we don't like and we say that's someone else or that's something else. That's some mood I'm in that that I can curb, I can control. Uh, I, in fact, that's maybe why I need to meditate because I get into these moods where my brain won't shut up and I can't think straight and I have ADHD and all this stuff. And it's all you. And the other part that is wrong in defeating the voices inside dot, dot, dot is the word defeating. So understanding is what's needed here, right? Because this is all you not defeating anything. And in this email, there's other, um, yeah, you say defeat a bit. I don't know if there's other warlike language, but this is war language. Uh, right. Giving a rebuttal to them, slaying them, slaying these voices. Why would you want to slay you? Well, could it be because our culture, this mind that we have here, produced by said culture, uh, is is warlike, is a war culture. And so we divide and conquer, and you're doing that internally. You've divided yourself, and now you want to conquer the part that you don't like. And we see this everywhere, right? I've talked about this on the show, I think, like defeating uh, the war against cancer. You know, we see these ads on TV about, I... I'm a survivor of the war against whatever. And it's some thing that you can't do anything about like cancer or, you know, a disease like that or whatever. Or we, we talk about the COVID virus in terms of war. You know, the real enemy is the disease, the real, and we've got to fight this thing. We've got to beat it. We've got to stomp it out. You know, all this stuff. Uh, it's what our society has produced and we've got to watch that in ourselves. I mean, watching that and seeing how you work in terms of using war language constantly and in terms of dividing the self internally, seeing that for real is meditation. When you understand something so deeply that the problem is dissolved That's where the silence is. That's where the stillness is. Doing anything to achieve that um, is more more noise, right? So I guess the the other thing here is um, the issue of doing meditation at all. Um, I would say that anything else is not meditation. All this stuff that you've learned, I don't care how many thousands of years it goes back, I don't care how many, you know, poorly bearded sages said, do this to get that, where meditation is concerned. Um, It doesn't lead to complete self-annihilating stillness, which is what meditation truly is. Everything else 
that you've learned, it likely, I will say, I wasn't there. How can I know? But mm, I'm going to go on a, an educated pedestal here in my hierarchy and say likely came after the fact. I know this from experience. All this stuff comes after the fact. And then you jot it down and then either you or more likely the people you've orated it to or given the written material to look at this and go, aha, we do this to get that and skip over, gloss over the fact that no, actually all of this so-called knowledge, all this truth in the form of wisdom, which now becomes knowledge, uh, came after the fact of their own self-annihilation. So it's not a how-to manual. So doing breath work and doing, um, you know, looking at your thoughts as objects as they float by or navel gazing or whatever it is, all of these things produce effects, but they don't produce that ultimate effect that is meditation, that is meditating, I should say. Being in a state of meditation is being in a state of understanding, not in a state of silence. Silence is the result. And now you say, okay, so I want to understand to get that result. But if you do that, then you're not understanding for understanding's sake. You're understanding to get something. You have a desire. You want something. And so you'll get a fake version of that if you get anything at all. You'll get a phony silence, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like you'll get some momentary hiccup where you go, huh, I wasn't thinking about anything for a second there. That must be it. All good. Now I can go teach something or whatever it is, you know. Um, But it just doesn't work that way. It seems like it works that way because we've treated it that way forever and ever because um, that's how we remain ourselves. Why would we want to remain ourselves if it's partial and not the whole truth of us? Um, Because that whole truth of us doesn't just transcend. Okay, here's a part I haven't said out loud, but it's implicit in all of this, right? It's transcending and including the universe, quote-unquote, itself, the silence, right? Like when we talk about non-duality and duality, what you're talking about duality is the universe, is a bunch of stuff, roughly speaking, (laughs) and non-duality is the onenessy bit. But the onenessy bit transcends and includes the universe. So the universe produces you, is you, At the same time, it is you and it produces you at the same time, right? We in agreement on that? And therefore, you want what the universe wants, which is to remain you. You want to be that wholeness. So the universe itself, it's the same thing as saying you yourself. You're both doing the same thing, fractally doing the same activity, which is um, on the level that we're talking about here doing anything to remain you. And so in terms of you personally, what you're doing to remain you is dividing yourself and and misunderstanding why you've separated yourself and what that means and the illusion of it and blah, blah, blah. And what the universe is doing at large is allowing people to uh, transcend to the onenessy thing or to the nothingness that is the oneness. Uh, I mean, all of these, this is, that is, that might get confusing or 
whatever, but I mean, I'm trying to keep this as simple as possible. Essentially, to reiterate what I've uh, been trying to talk about forever, nothingness is consciousness per se, and that consciousness, that intelligence is being. And what is it being? It's being all, all things. When we say all things, you know, we can talk about a multiverse, but let's keep it simple and talk about a universe. It's being the universe. So it's being the universe, but now the universe is also being the universe, right? Just like this oneness thing is being you in the universe. You you are yourself, and you're the universe, and you're this oneness thing. Like, all of these identities are true. It's just that um, the oneness thing transcends and includes them all. And so the universe, like you, wants to remain... Uh, wants to keep its sense of individuality intact. It doesn't want to be annihilated. The universe is annihilated. Uh Uh-oh. So the universe has a sense of selfdom, and that sense of selfdom says, uh, understands all of this. It's not in denial of it the way you are. Uh, And when I'm saying you, I'm not just saying you, emailer. I'm saying everyone listening. So the universe understands this, and the way that the universe copes with this, if you want to call it that, is to allow people uh, to transcend, to have the moment um, at as the ultimate nothingness slash oneness, non-dual uh, self-identity. So some people get to have that. And then they're reeled right back in. <laughs> and then they come back to themselves. So the universe... Um, informs its interiority. What I've talked about in a previous episode, I think the myth of souls as the death realm, or maybe the trickster episode, or maybe both, I don't know, but the interiority of the universe, you can call it the underworld or the death realm, heavens, hells, whatever it is. But basically a realm of sort of formless awareness. Part of that is constructed out of non-dual novelty through people. So, it uses us as bait, sort of like fishing lures or something. <laughs> I shouldn't put it that way because it sounds nefarious and and uh, self-serving and all that. And it is self-serving to the universe. But let's pull back and, and realize that there is nothing nefarious going on in any of this. This gets to everything just is the way it is. Um, the isness of it, the timelessness of it. In time, you know, you can... Look at how something is functioning sort of mechanically like this, and you can apply your own shade of uh, morality, ethics, uh, whatever emotion you put on to whatever feeling you have about it. That's personal to you. So you can look at sort of the raw mechanics. You can apply your your emotional whatever to it. Um, But in non-duality, in the isness of it, this is just how things work. There is no nefariousness to it. You may feel a certain way about it, but that feeling is based on the, I don't even want to say ignorance because, well, I guess it is. I mean, in a way you're ignoring your whole nature. If you understood you so completely that you self-identified non-dually as that oneness-y, whatever, silence-y, ultra-being, none of this would be an issue. And all of your feelings about it would change immediately. So there's that. Um, But that might just seem like a cop-out. So let me just put another sort of rational anchor to this, which is 
Um, nothingness is being. What is nothingness being all things? What? Why would it do that? Because nothingness, because it's being, what it has to be is something. It can't be more nothing. The second nothing has nothing, it's got something, right? As soon as one has a plus one, you've got two. So the allness is really, I mean, it's like taking water and making a bunch of ice cubes. Um, I guess bubbles or waves of an ocean, we've heard that analogy. Maybe that's better. Maybe bubbles on an ocean are better because the fact is it's not separated into air like ice cubes. The water and the ice cubes are still one. Uh, it's just that these manifestations are what being look like, right? I mean, being can't just be nothing, <laughs> nothingness, onenessiness. That's a redundancy. I don't know if this is making sense, but in being, consciousness has got to be something. And that something has got to be different than formless oneness. So these different perspectives we've been talking about are eternally true, timelessly true. They're all happening in the same timeless moment. So while from our perspective, we may look at the universe keeping us here locked in, you know, like uh, some sort of prison guard or something, um, which is no different than what you're doing right now personally. You personally are doing that to yourself. These are the same thing to say the universe is doing it and you're doing it are the same thing. You only see the difference between you and the universe doing it when you actually go through to uh, self-identifying as that oneness, truth, nothingness, no identity, you know, all of those, whatever words you want to use. I guess you could differentiate between no identity and, you know, the true nothing of nothingness and then the oneness. But, That's another conversation for another time. For now, let's just say that the difference is you're doing it right now. Oh, yes. But if you were to ever break through, the universe would then um, do it. Because essentially what you're doing is you're transcending and including um, to universal intelligence, right? We call this universally alive and all that stuff. And then we just assume that that's the end. But that's not the end. That's the end when the universe keeps us locked there. Because to wake up out of the universe is the universe experiencing the death of itself. And we can say it, quote unquote, doesn't want that. But really what it is preserving or the, 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 the sense of it preserving something is really the interpretation that we have. Really, this is just all what is. And that sense of it, that feeling of of it preserving itself in the way that you are preserving yourself. Again, it lets you go off into truth and then you come back and you tell your stories, right? That's the universe reeling you back in. But if you don't make it that far, then it's just you reeling yourself back in by saying, I'm so loud. I don't know what to do. This other voice in me, I've got to defeat it. I've got to slay it. I've got to meditate. I've got to learn how to meditate and be quiet. Uh, These are all the same thing. And the feeling of it, again, being something negative is purely from within time, purely from within the universe. These are saying the same thing from within our sense of the universe. And ultimately all of these things are just what is perpetually happening. We're radiating in existence 
all of this perpetually, even though we think we're going through the motions of making decisions and choices and time and all of this. All of this is already happening. <laughs> uh, so why would it feel one way and, and not the best way? Why would it feel... Why any of this struggle is the question. And the answer is because consciousness transcends and includes all things. Includes. Is being all things. Therefore, in that state of all thingness, the universe in this case, it's got to be different than that consciousness per se, that timeless consciousness. It's got to appear to be different anyway. I mean, what's different than perfection, imperfection? What's different than knowing it all, not knowing anything? Well, that's the opposite. I mean, I shouldn't say it's the opposite. It's not the opposite of. It's just different than. Because there are gradations. There aren't just, you know, one thing is, you know, non-dual is one thing, and then everything else is the opposite of that. It's not the opposite of. It's just differences. The reason a peak experience is called peak is because there can be only one. There is a ceiling to consciousness. So you might say, well, what's the point then? I mean, what truly is a whole human being? Aren't we just doing our part by being a part? Aren't we being different than our true whole nature by identifying as this partial thing that is the obvious thing to be, this self in a world, in a universe? And uh, the answer is no. (laughs) What we, quote unquote, should be doing to be whole is to... uh, Recognize that the body is that already. The body is the separate self-sense. And to allow non-dual, transcendent and includent, just made up a word, consciousness, oneness, nothingness, to allow that to express into the world consciously as the self-consciousness of the body when the body's self gets this so deeply that it just has no choice but to dissolve. Because what is this self ultimately doing of the body? The self is seeking. Seeking this ultimate spiritual answer. And here it is. (laughs) And when you get it, uh, not as a logical, rational thing, and not as something you feel something about, but so deeply that the self is no more, their truth be, and truth be shining through you into this dark universe. Through you and as you. Not just through you, but as you. Now, from the non-dual perspective, of course, if this is going to happen to you in this lifetime, it already is happening. It's just that you haven't yet experienced it traveling on your thread of life here. Which means that my talking to all of you, uh is always already affecting only whoever (laughs) will always... But talking that way doesn't matter, because it's a surprise to us either way. (laughs) You can say we're all actors on the stage of life, or we're just going through the motions, but we got to go through the motions, because that's what life is. So you don't know whether it's going to be you or not. It's still a gamble. It's still the lottery. (laughs) So... Play your cards right. Keep, continue to keep playing your cards right. What other game is there, folks? Look around you. There's a reason our culture promotes war language. There's a reason this mind, every other culture this mind has touched, 
has turned to ash, has picked up guns, has formed a sense of property, has been forced to say what an amazing system this is. Ah, America, European systems, Middle East, South Africa, how are you doing? You still Africa? What are other parts of Africa where kids have guns and stuff and they're just out there fighting? Where'd they get those guns? Where did they get that mind that said, I should probably pick up a gun? Sure, sure, warlords. Where were these warlords before the separate self-sense made its way to uh, Africa? I mean, what happens to heart cultures? We were a heart culture once. We were nature cultures, all of us, because we're natural. We're here. We were all earth-based nature cultures at one point from there. And then a few of them stepped out and said, "Mm, I'm different than, just like you and your brain, right? This isn't me. This isn't me shooting this gun. Someone else did that. This isn't me polluting the river. Corporations did that. This isn't me. Well, you get the point. It's all you. The corporations are allowed to do things because you allow them. The politicians are allowed to do things because you allow them. And not only that, because some of you listening are politicians and corporate uh, people. You are them. We're all them. We're all contributing to this awful society, right? Rotten to the core, killing us all off. No matter how much you argue the benefits, the good stuff we've gotten, the technology, the art, the music, the, oh, isn't this all wonderful? It's not all wonderful. These are all self-expressions and expressions of the interiority. Uh, That's it. What would be wonderful is if we were whole. And then see what beautiful nature comes through then. Yeah. Suddenly I'm shadow boxing. Okay. Uh, let's see. I guess finally you asked about the trickster. Well, what do you think? Does that sound like a trickster entity to you? Now that you've heard all of this? Who is the trickster at the end of the day? Who's the trickster at the beginning? We already know that the trickster is uh, the master of the betwixt in between. But what about the beginning? What about the ending? Is it all you? At least in this case. Now, having said all that, let's get to the Living Mystery Symposium. Actually, that's our time. See you next week.